On this episode of Inside Boxing Live, we're going to hear from Jake Paul. We're going to hear from Haseem Rockman Jr. You're going to hear from Amanda Serrano and Steven Espinosa. He is the president of Showtime Sports. I was over at the press conference at Madison Square Garden. Some good sound uh, from everyone involved in that fight. Of course, it goes down on August 6th on Showtime Pay-Per-View. We're going to break down what we saw last weekend, and we're also going to take a look ahead as Ryan Garcia steps back into the ring at Crypto.com. Arena versus Javier Fortuna. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Talking boxing. Here we go. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Inside Boxing Live. I am your host, Dan Canobio. We're coming to you from our John Boy Media headquarters. We're here in the main studio. You see John Boy in this chair right here. You see Talking Jake. They do all their stuff here. And now we're doing a little bit of Inside Boxing Live. How great is that? And we're coming off of a weekend that was on paper a slow weekend, but delivered. We'll touch on that. Uh, we're looking ahead to Ryan Garcia's uh, big-time uh, return to the ring, his second fight in the last three months. That's good for Ryan Garcia. The biggest thing with him is staying active and staying in the gym. Uh, he fights Javier Fortuna. I'll be there in L.A. I'm heading to L.A. Uh, at the end of the week to cover the Ryan Garcia fight for John Boy Media. Go check out John Boy Boxing YouTube page. Uh, Going to get a lot of good content there. Then I will meet up with the lads, and we will go to the All-Star game. And We're going to have a lot of uh, fun content coming your way uh, from the John Boy Media uh, crew. Uh, last weekend, we will start there. Uh, we saw an afternoon fight. Derek Chisora pulling out a split decision win over Kubret Pulev. And I told you last week that this fight could catch fire and it could deliver mild entertainment. It definitely caught fire, and I think that it delivered pretty good entertainment. Listen, I'm going to say right now, I didn't watch the fight. So I went to Twitter. And I said, please rate this fight from 1 to 10. And the majority that I got was like a 7.5 or an 8. That's pretty good for an afternoon heavyweight fight that has zero title implications, uh, that has you know two guys that are really at the end of the rope, uh, two guys that you could make a case that didn't belong in the ring. That's Derek Chisora, and that's Kubrat Pulev. Uh, Pajora, uh, excuse me, Chisora gets the split decision win, and I didn't like what I heard afterwards. I didn't like the what was being floated out there. And of course, that is Derek Chisora versus Deontay Wilder. Can we please stop? PBC and Matchroom are not going to work together, number one. Number two, Derek Chisora does not, should not be in a ring with Deontay Wilder. It will not end well for him. You know, you can make a case that Chisora shouldn't have been in the ring at all. Guy takes a lot of punishment. He took a lot of punishment in this fight versus Pulev. Many had Pulev winning. In addition to that, Deontay Wilder has what? Maybe one, two fights left in his career. Do you really want it to be against Derek Chisora? I want it to be against Anthony Joshua, if it's someone from a fighter from the UK uh, and a fighter that is not under the PBC banner. I want to see him in there with maybe Andy Ruiz. Uh, you know, I want to see him in there with, with, I know Andy Ruiz isn't considered an elite, but I want to see Deontay Wilder in big time fights. I don't waste any more time. He's 35 years old. He already has one foot out the door. A fight with Chisora is ridiculous for a, a number of reasons. But that's what we saw in the afternoon. Then at night, I put out a tweet. You should be following me at Dan Kenobi on Twitter. Uh, my picks for the night. I had Brandon Figueroa knocking out Carlos Castro late, and I had Ray Vargas 
uh, beating Mark Maxayo on points. That's what happened. Brandon Figueroa, uh, his first fight at 126, the guy looked like uh, a world beater, throwing a lot of punches, has a lot of power. He enters the 126 uh, picture that is absolutely loaded. And then Ray Vargas beat Mark Maxayo. I wasn't really high on Mark Maxayo coming in uh, to th to uh, this fight. Thought he was a little bit of a one-trick pony. Thought he was a little bit of a you know flash in the pan uh, when he beat Gary Russell Jr. with one arm. But Ray Vargas looked good. He did just enough to win. Is he in the top five at featherweight? Probably Ray Vargas. Is he the best featherweight in the world? Probably not. I put together a list um, of top ten at featherweight, and I got Navarrete number one. I got Mauricio Lauer number two. I got Ray Vargas three. I got Lee Wood for Gary Russell Jr. still has to be in the top five. When he's healthy, he can arguably be, be number one. Leo Santa Cruz, remember him? <laughs> he needs to start fighting more. Uh, supposedly him and Lee Wood are going to tangle uh, at featherweight. I got him at six. Josh Warrington, seven. Robesi Ramirez at eight, who I think could really take over because he's got a lot of good skills. Brandon Figueroa at nine. And then 10, I have a, a tie between Mark Maxayo and, and Mick Collins. So that's the picture right now at featherweight. That's what we saw this past weekend. This upcoming weekend, Ryan Garcia, Javier Fortuna, that's going down in Los Angeles. Like I said, I'll be there. Uh, Arnold Barboza, who is a top 10-ish 140-pounder uh, fights on ESPN+. Plus. So those are the two fights this weekend. July, a little dry. A little dry in July, considering what we saw in April, May, and June. Uh, August, September, October looks like it's heating up. Um, we'll get to our news and notes uh, segment here. Tifimo Lopez, he's back in the ring. He's going to be fighting August 13th against Pedro Campa. And for Tiafimo, it's his first fight since losing all his belts. The first fight since his first loss last November against George Cambosos. It's interesting because of the four kings, and I'm doing that with air quotes if you're, if you're listening, uh, Tiafimo is the first to officially move up to 140. These guys all said they were going to fight each other at 135. Never happened. So now Tiafimo moves up to 140. Officially a weight, that's a weight class that's wide open. You know, you have guys, uh, you know, it was the ruler was Josh Taylor, uh, and he still is, but he is giving up belts left and right because of the situation he is in over uh, how he can't travel into the U.S. because of his connections to Daniel Kinahan, taking the world uh, out of world champion. So he's given up belts, Josh Taylor left and right. He's talking about going up to 147. You've got Jose Ramirez uh, angling for a fight with Jose Cepeda for the WBC strap. I know WBA has two guys that aren't even in my top 10 uh, fighting for their belt. So Tiafimo can put himself in the discussion at 140 really quick. You know, he could fight uh, a Josh Taylor. He can fight a Jose Ramirez. He can fight a Jose Cepeda for a belt really soon because they're under the top-ranked banner. And Tiafimo is a guy that ruled at 135, albeit a, a short time. I'm looking forward to what Tiafimo has to offer. It all depends on what's going on in between or above the shoulders with Tiafimo. Not just above the shoulders with him, above the shoulders with his, his team. We all know the story by now. A lot of chaos in his personal life. A lot of chaos in his corner with his dad. Doesn't look like his dad's going anywhere from the videos that I've seen on Instagram, the videos I've seen on, on Twitter. His dad's still up to the same antics, and he's ride or die. Tiafimo Lopez is ride or die. So his dad will be in his corner uh, against Pedro Campa. He should get a, a knockout win. That's good. That's what he needs. And maybe we can see him again in the ring um, by the end of, of the year. So Tiafimo's back August 13th. Bam Rodriguez, who is making a case for fighter of the year, is returning to the ring after beating Sorong Vasai, and he's fighting Israel Gonzalez, who's a three-time title challenger. Israel Gonzalez fought uh, Chocolatito, has fought some big names at, at, at Superfly. 
But Bam Rodriguez added to the Triple G Canelo pay-per-view, which is going down September 17th. Love this for Bam. Bam Rodriguez, talk about a guy that's seizing the opportunity, seizing the moment, stepping up on short notice uh, in his last fight. Um, fighting Saw Rungvisai, who many said, oh, that's, that's too quick. You know, he shouldn't be fighting. He's moving along too fast, Bam Rodriguez. Beat Saw Rungvisai in impressive fashion and now coming back on arguably the biggest pay-per-view of the year this is great marketing this is great promoting by matchroom and bam rodriguez and he's making a serious case for fighter of the year you know three big wins no canel's not fighting uh four times this year even if canela beats triple g he's not winning fighter of the year uh you know it comes down to you know bam rodriguez if errol spence can beat Terrence Crawford and your Dennis Ugas in one year. That's impressive. You know, Jamel Charlo's in discussion for, for fighter of the year. I'm probably leaving some out, but those are what I get off the top of my mind. So Bam Rodriguez fighting Israel Gonzalez. That's added to the uh, Canelo pay-per-view. Dimitri Bivol and Zerto Ramirez has been ordered by the WBA. Eddie Hearn is trying to step in and say that Bivol should fight Buatzi, even though after the fight, Virgil Hunter had said he wanted no part of uh, Bawatsi fighting uh, Bivol or Better Biev. Uh, I think Bivol Zerto Ramirez makes all the sense in the world. They're both under the zone banner. It's a golden boy and a matchroom card. They have worked together uh, before. It is a bigger fight, um, Dimitri Bivol versus Zerto Ramirez, than Bivol versus Bawatsi. I mean, that's just Eddie Hearn stepping in, doing his job as a promoter. Annoying, yes, because I want to see Bivol and Zerto. I think it's a really good fight. Well, that's another guy. That can be added to the fighter of the year uh, discussions. Dimitri Bivol, you beat Canelo Alvarez and Zerto Ramirez in one calendar year, you're in the discussion. So Bivol versus Ramirez, ordered by the WBA. Fights get ordered all the time by sanctioning bodies. Do they always happen? No. <laughs> but hopefully we see Bivol versus Zerto because it, it's a big fight. And if you put that in California, I think it'd be marketed well. Uh, I, I like that fight a lot. How about this one that just came across late in the week? And we've heard about Conor Ben's next opponent. Was it going to be Keith Thurman? Uh, there was names being floated all over, all over the place. Um, and it's somehow Chris Eubank Jr., the middleweight Chris Eubank Jr., who hits pretty damn hard, whose father was a legend. Obviously, Conor Ben's father was a legend. The two of them fought uh, in one of the biggest fights in the U.K. a couple of decades back. This fight looks like it's going to be contracted to go down to 156-pound catch weight. And I understand why it's being made. I think, you know, from a Conor Ben standpoint, it's a very dangerous fight. This is a guy that's a 147-pounder uh, who's just on the wrong side of things promotional-wise, can't get those big names with the PBC. He's trying to lure Keith Thurman over there. Not going to happen. Conor Ben versus Chris Eubank. If it goes down, they're saying August 8th, or be a huge money fight over there. That's a the arena, whatever it's at, O2. It could probably do even bigger than the O2 arena. Uh, a fight that, you know, Connor Ben, you know, is he biting off more than he can chew? Because Chris Eubank hits hard. Has a lot of deficiencies, you know, especially defensively. Chris Eubank is not a good defender, but he does hit like a mule. He's a big middleweight. Fighting a guy like Connor Ben, who's a big puncher. It's interesting because, you know, they have not put Connor Ben in with punchers. That's what we wanted to see from, from Ben being tested as he's coming up the ranks. And, you know, a guy that started late in the sport and is on a meteoric rise, it's like they put him over Chris Algieri. No, you know, Chris Algieri's not a big puncher. You know, Adrian Granados, not a big puncher. Chris Eubank, big puncher. So this is clearly a cash fight. And I'm not going to knock any fighter for ever trying to make the most amount of money they possibly can in a brutal sport like boxing. Adrian Broner is back August 20th against Omar Figueroa. I don't know what to make of this fight. Uh, it's going to be on Showtime. 
Adrian Broner, I mean, he's not even an exciting fighter. He throws 30 punches around. He hasn't won in a long time. He's, you know, he's fighting for money. <laughs> I just got off saying that Ben and Eubank are also fighting for money. Uh, but they're exciting. Like, nothing about Adrian Broner in the ring is exciting. Omar Figueroa, we don't know what he's going to bring to the table either because he hasn't fought in years. And the last time he fought, he looked awful. So that's some of the news and notes. Uh, on the other side of things, we're going to hear from Amanda Serrano. We're going to hear from Steven Espinoza. I was at the press conference for Jake Paul and Haseem Rockman Jr. A lot came out of that. You're also going to hear it later on from Jake Paul and, and Haseem Rockman Jr. But first up, it is Amanda Serrano and then followed by Steven Espinoza. All right, we're here with Amanda Serrano. Amanda, back at MSG. Back fighting only three and a half months since that war with Katie Taylor. I was there ringside. It was a phenomenal night. Put into words what it feels like to be back here at MSG performing on another big stage. Oh, it feels good. I mean, I seem like did something good because I'm back again three months. But no, it's just super exciting. You know, that was my first time fighting at the Garden and to be main event and then now to come back. I'm super excited. I feel like this is home. They treat me like this is my house and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be back. Was there any thought about maybe giving some more time because it was such a grueling fight. I was kind of shocked to see you come back on just three and a half months. No, no, I, I, I love to fight and I, I don't want to, you know, with a loss, you don't want to, like, no, I need to come back. And plus, I, I need to defend my titles. It's been a year. Yeah. Um, the organization gave me, you know, non-title fights. So I need to defend my titles if I want to maintain my featherweight champion. Fighting at featherweight. Last fight was at 135. This one's at 126. What weight do you feel most comfortable at? I've been saying it for years, featherweight, but it's just, um, I've been able to go down from 115 to 140, so I'm a seven division world champion, so people think that I can just go up and down to any weight class that they want me, but I've been saying I'm a legitimate featherweight. Why don't you guys come down to my weight and, and see how it is there? So, like, you're talking about, like, a, like a Katie Taylor? Yeah, like, or oh, the other champions. But you know what? I feel good at, at featherweight. Um, unfortunately, the other champions to become undisputed champions didn't want to fight, so we have to go down the list, and we had the WBO mandatory in Brenda. Okay, so after this fight, I want to look past fight, past the fight. No fighters don't like to do that, but everyone wants to see the rematch with Katie Taylor. So do I. You want to have that rematch. You want to do that again. There's talks about doing it in Ireland, maybe do it in MSG. What's the latest on, on the rematch with Katie Taylor? Um, I, I don't know exactly. You know, the, the team deals with that. But I definitely want the rematch. I feel like I deserve a rematch. And, um, you know, I, I need to defend my titles. So I need to defend my babies. I worked hard for these titles. So that's next. And then um, we hopefully and beginning of 2023, we can get the fight again. Did you think you had her out there in the fifth? When she was rocked. I mean, I was there at ringside doing the company box, and I was like, wow, Katie Taylor was out on her feet. Take us back to that fight and just the whole, that fifth round in particular. Do you feel like you put, maybe could have maybe stepped on it a little bit more? Well, if I had that one extra minute that I asked for, it would have been over. But, you know, Katie is a warrior as well, and, and we proved that we, we both, you know, that was there was blood and sweat in that, in that ring, and we showed that we were true warriors. But, you know... Um, the next one, I can't leave it to the judges, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, 2022 is the year of women's boxing. Huge yes. fights. Kalisha Shields, Savannah Marshall, Alicia Bumgarner uh, taking on Michaela Mayer. Your fight uh, with, with Katie Taylor. Just speak real quickly on women's boxing because I don't think it needs to be separated anymore. I think yeah. I just think it's part of the sport now. What does it feel like for the year that we're having for women's boxing? No, we've come a long way, and I'm excited to see the champions fighting on this um other champions be unifying which is super amazing and and I'm super excited to be a woman's boxer in this time and ever and and I just the best is to come. Amanda Serrano.
August 6th. Don't miss it. Guess what, everybody? The John Boy Media crew is headed to Los Angeles for the MLB All-Star Game, and we're going to have a VIP ticketed event at Boomtown Brewery on Tuesday, July 19th from 2.30 to 4.30. That is local time to celebrate. Limited tickets are selling out fast. I think there's like 20 left. Uh, with these tickets, you can get two drink tickets, free drink tickets, excuse me, free JM All-Star Week T-shirt, uh, giveaways, prizes, photo ops. You want to take a picture with Talking Jake? You want to take a picture with Jerry Blevins, former uh, Met great? Q&A sessions, all that and more. I'm going to have a link in the bio over on our YouTube page. Come hang out with the John Boy Media crew Tuesday, July 19th at Boomtown Brewery. All right, here at Showtime Sports President Steven Espinosa, we meet again. Let's talk. Uh, we just got done with the press conference. How would you rate that press conference? No fisticuffs, so that's always good. But a lot of good trash talk. A lot of good trash talk. Um, uh, you know, you score it, it's either 10-10, maybe 10-9 Rockman. I, I thought, you know, he held his own, which is tough against Jake in a press conference. Yeah, Rockman brought his A game. He had a retort for every, every claim. Everything goes back to this one sparring session. I know there's a lot of casuals that watch Jake Paul fights, uh, so they think of a sparring session as this intimate setting. It's really not. It's almost like a practice. It's almost right. like a, like in basketball where they get open run on a court. You see some of the biggest stars. But it is something to go back on. This whole sparring session is, seems to be the genesis of this bad blood. Yeah, there's definitely bad blood. I think that's what comes out of it. Like, look, you know as well as, as I do, what you can learn and what you can conclude from sparring session is limited, you know. Both guys are probably not going at 100%. You know, who knows what they were working on that particular day. There's some dispute over, you know, what the directions and instructions and limitations were. But, you know, what come out of it, clearly it didn't end well. Um, and it's, you know, they, they say familiarity breeds contempt. I think in this case it's absolutely true. Last we spoke, we didn't exactly know Jake Paul would end up on the Showtime platform. What was what changed? And is this a multi-fight deal? Or how did the negotiations go to get Jake Paul back on Showtime? Yeah, I mean, the, the goal is to remain in, you know, in the Jake Paul business long term. Um, and, you know, I, I think where it turned, um, look, once, once the Garden became involved, you know, that was a big step for us. Like, I, I think that puts it on a different level. Um, and it's a, it's a big endorsement of his credibility for the Garden to let him fight here. Um, and then I, I think there's just ongoing conversations. Look, there's a lot of bidding uh, out there and some crazy numbers being thrown out. Um, but I think at, at the end of it, we were able to find a business model that worked for us, that worked for Jake. And he was able to sort of cash in on all the non-financial stuff that we bring, you know, the production value, the credibility in the sport, our knowledge of the sport. You know, those are things that are important to Jake in terms of continuing to elevate him as a boxer. So is this a one-off deal or is it a multi-fight deal? Um, it, it's, you know, it's a deal that, that we you know, that we expect to extend beyond this one. Okay. Now, second half, uh, Showtime had a great first half, phenomenal stuff. Uh, big time fights, as you explained, up on the dais. What is the second half looking like? Uh, we got to see Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford. It's the question you probably be asked all the time. We haven't heard anything, which it, no news is good news when it comes to it fight is. negotiations. Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford, where are we with this fight? I would say, you know, without getting too much into details, I think um, – we are making progress. Uh, I am optimistic, and I think my optimism starts from the fact that both of these guys want nothing other than each other. You know, you saw Errol in the fight this past weekend. He thinks it's going to happen this year. You know, Terrence is not talking about anything other than Spence. So I think that's a great start. You, you know, you take the both want the fight. 
There are no promotional network obstacles. We're making some you know, good progress. Um, I wouldn't say we're on the verge of anything, but progress is being made. So I, I agree with, with Errol's assessment you know, when, he, when he spoke to us, to Jim Gray on air. Yeah. I, I, I think it's more likely or not that we do get it done for this year. Is it morally, more so on the Terrence Crawford side of things? No, I think it's the entire business structure. Look, it's one of those fights that um, it's a little bit tough to figure out how big a fight it is in the mainstream. I mean, we know everybody who's any kind of boxing fan is thrilled with that fight. Um, you know, the question is how big can it become? You know, and, and when you're not sure, you know, it's harder to build a business model that makes sense for everybody. So it's, it, you know, that, that's all it is. You know, it's nothing about, you know, one guy being unreasonable or one guy, you know, not. It, you know, it's just, look, it's, you know, uh, neither of them has, has done a pay-per-view of this scale. You know, this is a, a new business for both of them. And, you know, everyone just want to make sure that they get the deal right. Uh, Jamel Charlo has indicated on Twitter that he will, most likely will fight Tim Zhu, but he threw out a date of late January, which was a little funky, but what, what did that date come from and what can you make, is that fight getting closer in terms of being made and why January? Um, you know, good question. Um, I, I think that has more to do with his own plans than, than anything else. Um, and I, I think there's, there's still a lot of uncertainty around it because of the, um, the, the multiple sanctioning bodies. You know, you can never quite, you know, figure out exactly where it's going to end up. I think, you know, the zoo fight is, is one of the more intriguing, you know, fights for sure, Fandora as well. Um, but the, the reality is it, it is up to the sanctioning bodies. I know he wants to maintain all the belts. So whatever he needs to do to honor his sanctioned body organizations, that's going to be it. But um, I have no doubt that they'll fight at some point, you know, whether it's January or whether there's another sanctioning body that, that sneaks in first. We're not sure yet. We're getting ready for Ryan Garcia fight week coming up in L.A. A fight that I want to see, a fight that all boxing fans want to see is with Javante Davis. Mm -hmm. We spoke on this before. You said you wanted to be on Showtime. Uh, I saw an interview you did with, with Chris Mannix. Is there any more updates on, on that fight potentially being made? Is there any more wiggle room between you, uh, your side and Showtime side and the zone side? Both fighters are pretty entrenched with those with those networks. Where do things lie uh, with Ryan Garcia, Javante Davis, potentially uh, going down sometimes in the second half of 2022? Well, look, I, I think it's the right fight to make now. Um, you know, I don't know how long Ryan can stick around at 135, so we, we've got a limited window. Um, there haven't really been any discussions, you know, meaningful yet. Um, look, there's a, the big elephant in the room is sort of where, um, what the involvement of DAZN, you know, has to be. Um, look, I, I, you know, I think it's interesting that, um, you know, we just went through a period of, you know, three years where whenever DAZN wanted a fight with anybody that we had under contract, they had no qualms about reaching out directly. They had no problem, you know, you no know, desire in working with us. And all of a sudden, you know, when, you know, maybe their business isn't going as well in the U.S., then all of a sudden they're interested in, you know, co-promoting with us. Look, um, Ryan Garcia is not exclusive to the zone. I know Golden Boy is. Um, but the reality is, um, you know, it's just, it's an interesting and ironic change of events. They've spent three years trying to go around us to get to every fighter that we have. Now all of a sudden they figured out, hey, let's, let's go to them. Um, look, uh, I, I don't think we need two platforms in this. Um, I don't. I think there are plenty of other ways that are fair to resolve this. 
I just don't don't think that you know that's that way. Now, having said that, I don't want to be the obstacle. You know, we don't want to be the obstacle. It's the fight that everybody wants. So you know, we'll we'll have to just play it out and see. Has Tank indicated that he wants that fight to you? Oh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. I mean, he, you know, if you remember his fight at Barclays, you know, there are multiple times when he turned to Ryan and said, "You're next." What's it, uh, uh, Stephen Jackson confirmed that on the podcast yeah. last week. He saw it all, all go down. Yeah. You just said something interesting there. You said that Ryan Garcia isn't with the zone contractually, or is it that's a yeah, Golden Boy thing? Understanding, you know, Golden Boy has a deal with his own. I, I don't think Ryan Garcia personally has a deal with his own. I don't, you know, I'm not the expert on, you know, on sort of that aspect of it. But, you know, it's not as if they signed Ryan Garcia to an exclusive contract. I mean, Dazone repeatedly said, "Hey, we're going to Deontay Wilder, and we went to, uh, you know, we went to the Charlos, we went to Danny Garcia, we went to Thurman." And to all these guys, because they weren't signed exclusive to Showtime, so why would we need to go to Showtime? Well, I mean, shoes on the other foot now. Why would we need to go to DAZN, you know, when DAZN isn't signed Ryan exclusively? I know the big push, the pushback is that all these joint pay-per-views. They're the biggest fights that were possibly made. Whether it was Mayweather McGregor, whether it's Tyson Lewis, whether it's Fury versus Wilder. This is still a big fight, though. This will, will generate a lot of money at the gate. It will generate, I would say, north of 500,000 pay-per-views. Would you agree with that? It still does make a lot of money. What is the tipping? point for this fight uh, being a joint pay-per-view uh, for me uh, look the the two that we've been involved in um, as a network were Tyson Lewis and Mayweather Pacquiao um, so I mean to me that you know I'm not saying it has to be the biggest of all time because those two were among the biggest of all time but it, it, it there's a lot of issues you know and it slows down the process there are a lot of complications when you've got you know you've, you're coordinating and, and co-producing with with somebody with a competitor with a different business model. So again, uh, we don't want to stand in the way from it. Um, I don't think it requires it to get it done. I think there's more than enough creative ways to get it done without doing a joint pay-per-view. It just doesn't make sense to me. What do you think it would do on pay-per-view? I love playing this game. It's a good question. Um, look, I, I there, there are, you know, we're, we're in an era right now that if you put aside Mayweather, Logan Paul, you know, the next biggest pay-per-views have been, you know, 800, 750 to 800. You know, that's where we've been for the last three or four years. So I think with the advent of piracy and all that things, I, I think that's sort of, you know, 800 is the new million. Um, so I think, look, Canelo's doing 800,000, you know, at least with us. You know, Wilder Fury 2 did a little bit less than that. Um, so, you know, does Ryan and Tank, do they do... Four or five hundred thousand. I, I think that's a safe bet. Um, could it get much bigger than that? Absolutely. It takes a little bit of luck and a little bit of just fortuitous timing, and maybe it can catch fire in the mainstream. But you can never really count on that until it happens. Stephen Espinosa, great tan you got there. Where you been? Where you been on vacation this summer? Uh, I've been in uh, Cancun and Croatia. So yeah, a little bit of tan. All right. Thanks. Appreciate the time. Okay. Thanks, man. All right. I was just over at the Jake Paul Haseem Rockman press conference. And I got to tell you, I'm excited for this fight. Going in, I wanted to see Jake Paul fight Tommy Fury. Uh, I wanted to see Jake Paul uh, check off that box, uh, fighting a boxer. I thought with Tyson Fury involved uh, and the whole Fury family, it just made sense, that fight. So when Tommy fumbled once again, wasn't allowed in the States or whatever his reason was, uh, they had to go back to the drawing board. And another reason why I enjoy... Uh, Jake Paul's everything that comes along with Jake Paul in boxing is how he picks his opponents 
and how he markets them because I do think that other boxers can take a page out of his book. So when he selected Haseem Rockman Jr., I was intrigued because I know Haseem Rockman Sr., uh, what he brings and his name, but I didn't know much about Haseem Rockman Jr. Went back, watched some of his fights, uh, you know, a slow plotting guy that does throw a lot of volume so 50 punches uh, per round in his last fight but did lose that last fight you know keeps his hands down low and that's what I knew from as a fighter I didn't know much about him as a person uh, and I, after I went to this press conference came away very impressed you've seen all the clips now they're all over social media he was able to go back and forth with Jake Paul at, at the trash talk you know Jake Paul is the king of trash talk I don't I think he was actually surprised that rock uh, that Rockman was able to get the best of him uh, in, in over there up on the stage. You know he had some good retorts. They're talking about this sparring session. A lot of it was about one sparring session, which is if you're a boxing fan, a hardcore boxing fan, or even a casual boxing fan, sparring sessions are meaningless. I mean they 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 don't mean much. They're practice. It's essentially when you go. Uh, NBA basketball players, when you see these videos in the offseason of them, you know, playing open court, that's essentially what it is. You're practicing, you're working on your craft, you're playing with other uh, professionals and, and in sparring, you're sparring with other professionals. And it's not an intimate setting. It's not a business uh, setup. It's just simply practice. Uh, that, But that's how they're going to market this fight. It was the, the talk of the, the fight. Um you know, I made a video last week, too. Uh, I put it out on our uh, social media uh, channels, and I would say 95, maybe even 99% of the comments were that Rockman Jr. was going to take a dive in this fight. The fight is staged. Uh, they sparred together, so therefore they're friends. Uh, they had multiple sparring sessions, so with their business partners. That's ridiculous. That's absurd. I hate the... the the taking a dive, like anytime you see a big knockout in boxing, you see dive. Oh, he took a dive, this, that, you know, it's rigged. I understand that Jake Paul comes from the entertainment world, so you kind of have to question that. Like It's maybe in the back of your mind. But Haseem Rockman squashed the whole thing. I asked him yesterday at the presser, what do you, what can you say about people saying that you were going to take a dive? And I thought uh, that his answer was remarkable. My, uh, look, man, I was in Atlantic City Boardwalk Hall. My father was fighting Evander Holyfield. He had a hematoma on his head, the size of a, a cantaloupe. He put his life on the line in this sport. Holyfield could have hit that thing. It could have bust open. My father could have died. He really put his life on the line. You really think I'm a disrespect? Not only my father, but the sport that I love, the sport that put me through private school, the sport that, that, that has afforded me not to ever want for anything. I never wanted anything, ever, in my life, because of boxing. I don't know what it's like to want something because my father put in so much work in this sport and dedicated his life to this sport. So in what realm do you think I'm about to go out there and do anything other than put my best foot forward? You're, you're asinine if you think that. I mean, look at that answer right there. I, there's a lot to take away from that. Mostly that Rockman Jr. has been given everything he has in his life, private school, uh, never having to ask for anything, never having to want anything because of the hard work his dad put in and made millions. So he's not going to disrespect his dad. He's not going to disrespect the sport of boxing that has given him so much to dive or, or just a stage fight against Jake Paul. And I love that. I thought that was a really good answer. That was a heartfelt answer. I was, I was kind of taken back by it because I wanted to see how he was going to answer that fight, not just dismiss me. I thought he gave a very heartfelt answer. I also asked... 
Jake Paul, his thoughts uh, on the matter of potentially this fight being staged. It's, it's fucking ridiculous. Like, it's illegal to do that, first and foremost. Um, secondly, sparring partners spar all the time. Look at Triple G and Canelo. Look at Dillian White and Tyson Fury. So this is a common thing, and, you know, they have so much pride and ego, and, like, you see the, the real tensions. You could feel that energy in the room. So the people that think that are obviously just the Jake Paul haters who want to discredit any single thing that I'm doing. Once again, agree with Jake Paul. We Sparring partners... Uh, happen all the time. Strange bedfellows. <laughs> Look at Canelo and Triple G have gone on to hate each other. They sparred before. It happens all the time. And to a certain degree, there are people that just want to see Jake Paul fail. Like no matter what, they're either jealous or they just think that he's grifting. I uh, think that he's coming into the sport of boxing just to, you know, kind of come in, make money, leave. So I understand that. So no matter what he does, he's fighting a boxer now. Everyone wanted to see him fight a boxer, a guy that's bigger than him. But they're going to be detractors, too, that say even if he does knock out Hasim Rockman on August 6th, it's going to be because of um, it was staged. So I had to ask that to the both of those guys. Um, over to the actual fight. You know, at CompuBox, we went back and tracked some of Rockman's past fights. And what we found was a fighter that does get hit a lot but has above average motor. He averaged 49 punches thrown in his last fight, Hasim Rockman Jr. Yes, he lost, but 50 punches around. That's a lot. That's more than Deontay Wilder. That's more than Anthony Joshua. That's more than than Tyson Fury. You know, Jake Paul's never seen volume like that. You know, the most punches he's seen per round was about 30, and that was from Tyron Woodley. They were throwing one punch at a time in that fight. Tyron Woodley threw 20 punches around in the first fight. I can't stress how low of a number 20 punches around is. That's seven punches thrown per minute. That is a lot of staring. That is a lot of thinking. It's almost like a fencing match. 49 punches around. If Rockman can do that in this fight, he has a very good chance to win. I asked Jake Paul if he is ready for that type of volume. For sure. I mean, he was throwing a lot of punches, but it was because the guy was uh, sitting there as a heavy bag. You know, he couldn't get out of the way. Um, so when he's fighting me, that punch count's going to come way, way down because he's not going to be able to hit me. I don't think... Jake Paul has great defense. It remains to be seen. Uh, I think that's what this fight is going to... We're going to learn a lot about Jake Paul. He says that Rockman won't be able to hit him. Uh, we'll see on, on, on August 6th. Interesting to his thoughts. Uh, you know, yes, his last opponent, Rockman's... Uh, it was Tommy Morrison's son, you know, did leave himself open to get hit, and Rockman did uh, take advantage, at least volume-wise, early on, uh, before... Uh, he lost the fight, uh, but that's interesting. That's what happened in the ring. A lot of talk talks about the sparring session, the trash talk. But how's this fight actually going to play out? So I, I can see Rockman, you know, throwing a lot of punches, using some movement in there, albeit that he's slow. And Paul looking for that one punch knockout. More on that one punch knockout a little bit later. Uh, Steven Espinosa made it a fact up on the stage uh, to emphasize how Paul's knockout over Tyron Woodley was one of the most viewed videos in the history of Showtime boxing. That's great. That's great for Showtime Boxing. That's great for Jake Paul, uh, his image, getting those views on, on Instagram, getting those views on TikTok. Jake Paul even said it himself, I'm a TikToker. He said it yesterday. I'm a TikToker that boxes. I, I don't see anything wrong with that. But you can't score highlight reel knockouts in every fight. Just like Aaron Judge can't hit a home run every time at bat. Sometimes you go 0 for 4, but the team still wins. Sometimes you go 2 for 4, and the team loses. Jake Paul can't get highlight reel knockouts every single fight, especially if he's going to uh, up the competition. And I think they're just going to have a lot of pressure on him because 
when these casual fans, non-boxing fans, tune in to watch Jake Paul's fights, his fans are are expecting big knockouts. And that's you can't just get that in boxing. Like maybe a split decision win or a majority decision win is good enough. You get that dub and you keep it moving. So I asked Jake Paul if he feels pressure or that he feels like every single fight he has has to have a Tyron Woolley type knockout uh, in it for it to be successful. I do. I feel like that. And I train for that. And I let that pressure in camp fuel me. I let it motivate me. And man, when I have a challenge like this, people aren't going to believe. Like, there's no reason I should beat this kid on paper. But when it happens, when I knock him out, what the fuck can anyone say? I liked what he said there. <laughs> you know, there is no, on paper, there really is no reason why Jake Paul should beat this guy. You know, look at the team Rockman. He's 12 and 1. He has over 100 amateur fights. He's sparred with some of the biggest heavyweights in the game. Uh, he comes from a lineage of real fighters. So if Jake Paul can knock him out, you know, what are people going to say? You have to give him credit. I see even, you know, his biggest detractors are giving him credit. Guys like Sergio Mora from DAZN, who has been a heavy, uh, you know, criticize of, oh, that's not even a word. He's been criticizing Jake Paul a lot. He's even is saying, right, you know, got to give this guy credit. Tony Ballou even saying the same thing. You got to give him credit for taking on a real fighter, taking on a guy uh, that's bigger than him. You saw that at the weigh-in, you know. I'm often asked why Jake Paul is in boxing. What is Jake Paul's endgame? Is it to be ranked in the top 10 or one day become a champion? No, I don't think so. Uh, I think it's to make the most money possible. I've said this since day one. Jake Paul, Logan Paul are using boxing as a vehicle to make money. What other sport or what other avenue can you make 25 to 30 million in one night? Maybe a musical act, but you have to go on tour to do that. Boxing, you can do that. You know, so if he's able to use his background, he's able to infiltrate a sport uh, that has a very low entry level that boxing does, you can go in there and make noise. But you also have to be good. You know, it's five fights in. Like, you, he would have been exposed by now. He's very good at making money. He trains hard. There's no doubt about that. He does take it very, very seriously. He also has the finances to take it very seriously. He has the finances to move to Puerto Rico, open a gym, and just do it 24-7 with some of the best coaches and trainers. You know, what he's done for Amanda Serrano, remarkable. But he also benefited financially from being Amanda Serrano's promoter. So Jake Paul's in this to make money. Let's be real here. So that brings me to my next topic with Jake, and that's Conor McGregor. I think that he got into boxing to get that $100 million payout. You know, the Tyron Woodley money, great. You know, the Ben Askren money, great. That's, you know, he made a few, maybe $20, 30000000 million for that. How about $100 million? And how about seventy-five to $100 million? And you're going to get that by only fighting a handful of guys out there. You know, it's not going to be Floyd. It's not going to be Pacquiao. And then the third biggest name in combat sports still is Conor McGregor. The two are on a crash course. You're telling me Conor McGregor versus Jake Paul won't generate an insane amount of money? Pay-per-view buys, live gate, uh, everything. Merchandise, you name it. The total revenue of that fight could be up there with a, a McGregor-Mayweather. Could be up there with a, a Mayweather-Pacquiao. Just think about all the demographics it's bringing together. Boxing fans, MMA fans, regular sports fans, casual sports fans, people that follow celebrities. <laughs> You're looking at five different groups of people all coming together to watch a fight. But part of me thinks that McGregor won't take it. Like, a lot has to go, I would say, wrong for McGregor. I think, you know, he's going to fight in the UFC again. But 
you know, will he take that risk of potentially losing to Jake Paul in a boxing match in order to make another, I would say, 50, 75, 100 million? It's interesting. I honestly, why I think Jake Paul is in boxing, it's to make money and it's to make that big, big payday. The only boxing can create one of the only sports that can create where you can be a 50 million to $75 million night in one night. So I had to ask Jake Paul about Conor McGregor. He's been looking and paying attention to everything the whole entire time. He has to. Numbers don't lie. And at the end of the day, you know, very few times in decades and centuries do massive names and massive fighters come out of the woodworks. You have the Floyd Mayweathers, and then it was really Connor. And guess who's next? It's me. And so everyone has to pay attention to that. No one has done what I've done in five fights. No one has sold this many pay-per-views in five fights. No one has sold out this many venues in five fights. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm the new kid on the block. I'm the new king on the block. Highest paid. The numbers prove it. And so he has to pay attention. And he knows he knows that I'm the money fight for him. Who else is he going to go and fight right now? See? Good points. Those were good points from, from Jake Paul. Salient points. Jake Paul is a top three to four attraction in boxing. Any way you want to cut it, I can admit that. A lot of people don't want to admit that. I think it's Jake Paul, Tank, Canelo, Joshua, maybe Errol Spence in terms of guys that can put asses in seats, live gates, pay-per-view buys, and just overall interest in the sport. Jake Paul's part of that. One of the highest paid boxers. He's up there with Canelo. People in this office here at John By Media are interested in this fight, are interested in Jake Paul. Brings more eyeballs to the sport. I do believe that. Now, Jake did say something recently to Ariel Hawani uh, that he was boxing savior. I mean, this is what he does. He, he, he takes it a little too far sometimes. That's because more people are starting to pay attention to boxing. I'm not sure I agree 100% with that. Um, I think boxing's having a great year because the, the best are fighting the best more than not. Uh, it's not because Jake Paul is in boxing. Um, you know, that was the fear last year around this time or when Logan Paul was fighting Mayweather. It's like, YouTubers are going to take over the sport. But no, it, it, Jake Paul's fine if he's a supplemental fight. Like if Jake Paul versus um, Haseem Rockman Jr. was the main attraction of the second half of the year of the boxing schedule, yes, that's a problem. That means the sport is in serious trouble. But when it is a supplemental, I wouldn't say sideshow, but... That's when it's fine. That's when it can fit in. That's when Jake Paul, that's Jake Paul's lane in, in boxing. You know, it's not Spence versus Crawford or Fury versus Joshua or Triple G versus Canelo. It's his own separate lane. It's fine. It's good for the sport. But he's not the savior of like like he says. Uh here are his thoughts on why he Jake Paul considers himself the savior of boxing. Yeah, I mean, no one was watching boxing. There, there wasn't any hype around it. You know, you'd watch occasionally the heavyweight fight or, you know, maybe Floyd. But then as soon as he retired, uh, everything got really boring. And there was an era where there wasn't any fights that anyone heard of. No names were breaking out. It was a very stagnant period. And so when I came in and switched the whole game up, brought in the social media element, brought 60 million followers over into the sport, um, you see a difference, and and it's made an everlasting impact. See, the first part didn't really agree with. Like I said, I, Jake Paul, yes, he's bringing some, a new set of eyeballs, but 
it's not like the, the reason why there's an interest in the sport is because the best fights are, always, are being made. That's the only way boxing is going to survive or the only way it's going to stay where it's at is when the best fight, the best Jake Paul is around for the ride. But I did agree with them, though, is that boxing has taken over MMA, at least recently. Uh, there's no doubt that this, the last few months, that uh, the fights that boxing has put on, the events that boxing put on, whether it's in Japan with Inouye, whether it's in the UK with Fury, uh, big stadium fights here in the US, Canelo losing, uh, what we're going to see, Spence versus Crawford, just week in, week out, those are the biggest fights. And then the other fights that we're seeing, like a Fandora and a Lubin, you know, Charlo Castaño go on and on and on. You know, It's more excitement right now. There's more excitement in the sport of boxing than and in MMA. And maybe I'm biased because I do a boxing show every week, but that's just how I, I, I just think it's true. You know, the last UFC pay-per-view was a dud. You know, Israel Adesanya, uh, a big name, but that fight didn't garner a lot of chatter. So I do agree with Jake Paul there. I don't agree that he's the savior of boxing, but I do agree that, that, that MMA, that boxing's taken a chunk out of MMA and it'll always be that way. If boxing puts on the best fights, it will always be more exciting than MMA. If it's just the promoters. Uh, get in the way of all that from from happening. There it is. Uh, fun time hanging out with Jake Paul, uh, Haseem Rockman, Amanda Serrano, Steven Espinosa. Really enjoyed that. When we come back, we're going to break down Ryan Garcia, Javier Fortuna. Big fight. I'll be there in attendance in L.A. Okay, final segment of the show. We're going to break down Ryan Garcia versus Javier Fortuna. goes down Saturday on the zone. I'll be there in attendance. I think I've told you that three separate times on this podcast because I'm excited. I like to be ringside. Uh, I'm very high on Ryan Garcia. Uh, he's been here in this office. Uh, it's a big fight for him. And also what is big is our partnership with DraftKings. DraftKings is a partner of John Boy Media and is a partner of of Inside Boxing Live. I have been putting a lot of money down on the New York Yankees. Uh, you could do the same thing, too. I follow the Yankees every day. I tend to know you know, the, the pulse of the clubhouse. I would like to think I know the pulse of the clubhouse. So I've been betting a lot on the run line for the Yankees. And, you know, sometimes it was 7.5 uh, last week. The second game of a doubleheader. That's an easy under. I cashed in. But now you can do uh, some fun stuff with same-game parlay. So you can bet the Yankees money line. You can bet Aaron Judge to get hit a home run. Get bet Aaron Judge to get a hit. John Carlos Stanton record an RBI along with the Yankees winning or losing with or any of your favorite uh, MLB teams. But right now... Now, DraftKings Sportsbook is putting all new customers in the center of action. New customers can bet just $5 on any team, and you get $150 free. Wait, you get $150 in free bets instantly. Very simple. All you got to do is go to DraftKings Sportsbook and check out their same game parlays. You know what a parlay is. You can combine multiple bets uh, in for the same game for a bigger payout. This is for new customers only. If you bet $5 on either baseball team to win, you get $150 in free bets. All you got to do is go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Uh, if you don't have it, download it now. Use promo code IBL. IBL. Bet just $5 on any pro baseball team and you get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code IBL at the DraftKings Sportsbook. So I'm going to break down this fight uh, between Ryan Garcia and Javier Fortuna, biggest fight of the weekend, uh, and give you my picks, my same game parlay. Ryan Garcia is back in the ring for the first time in three months. Um, that's actually a good thing, considering how much off time and how much inactivity Ryan Garcia has had 
uh, over the last year and a half. Uh, he got the points win over Emmanuel to go, was able to drop him early. To go was in survival mode from the get go through 30 punches. Uh, around but just to get ryan garcia just go back real quick ryan garcia getting him back on a regular fight schedule uh you know fighting every three to four months as he wants to fight again in december we'll see about that uh interested to talk to him out in la especially after he wins if he wins with a big knockout gets a big ko win uh, over fortuna uh then you know he's going straight for that tank fight you know he's gonna bang his chest and try to get that tank fight after the to-go fight you know, didn't really have a lot of juice the fight was boring uh, to go did not make it fun. Ryan Garcia still was able to land 40% of his power shots, was able to drop uh, to go, was able to hand to go his first loss in like 18 years. Still impressive considering how long Garcia was out. But there was some things that I didn't like from Garcia, you know, not being able to cut off the ring, uh, not being able to, to jab, uh, you know, depending maybe too much on that power, trying too hard uh, to get the knockout. I think the knockout might come a little easier uh, versus Fortuna. He's getting back into a rhythm, you know, second fight in the last three, four months. He's learning under a new trainer in Joe Goosen, and he's gradually stepping up the competition. Now, Fortuna was supposed to be the fight for Ryan Garcia last year, but we all know what transpired with Ryan Garcia pulling out of the fight, mental health issues. Uh, then he broke his hand and, and could not fight Jojo Diaz uh, as well. But at the time, Fortuna's stock was was sky high. You know, he had wins over Sharif Bourgeri. He had a knockout wins over Jesus Cuellar and Antonio Lazada. Since then, some of the shine has has worn off a little bit. Fortuna does pose some threats to Ryan Garcia. He's a southpaw, decent pop, and has a lot of unpredictability to him. You know, Ryan Garcia, his last fight against a southpaw was Luke Campbell. Luke Campbell dropped Garcia, gave him issues in the first couple rounds, uh, first five or six rounds before uh, Garcia took over with that body shot to stop uh, Luke Campbell. So Fortuna has that going for him. A southpaw has a lot of um, experience in this fight. Has some power, as it's shown over his last seven fights. He has uh, two or three stoppages. One of them came in the second round, uh, which was what like I just talked about—an impressive win. Uh, but Fortuna's last seven fights have been the definition of a mixed bag. You know, KO wins, both impressive and shocking. The Bogeri win and the Lozada win. But then you look at the fights where Fortuna, Fortuna lost his composure, uh, committed fouls, uh, no contests, lost his cool. Versus Adrian Granados, he held, he rabbit punched. He had multiple points taken away in that fight. Moments later, he's flying out of the ring into the Showtime cameras, and you got a no contest against Granados. Versus Robert Easter, he missed weight. Came in at 136.5 pounds for a 135-pound fight. Could not compete for the title that Robert Easter held. Uh, he was arguably beating Robert Easter before he fouled. Uh, he committed two fouls later, late in uh, the fight, which negated the scorecards of him winning, and then ultimately he lost to Robert Easter. So you can arguably say in, in Javier Fortuna's biggest fights, he's either you know done something to shoot himself in the foot or he's underperformed like he did against Jojo Diaz where he just, just didn't do enough versus a guy in Jojo Diaz uh, that is known for just doing just enough uh, to win. The fight will be exciting. Fortuna throws in the 50s. That's a lot more than Togo's 30 punches around. Uh, 24 of their 27 combined landed punches are power shots. So it's going to be a lot of power shots in this fight. Um one thing Ryan Garcia does good is um, his his power, his accuracy will always be there. 
Uh, he's a great power puncher, not much of a jabber. Uh, and one thing we know about Joe Goosen is Joe Goosen goes uh, for the knockout. So that being said, there are three bets that I'm looking at uh, in this fight that are intriguing. Um, Ryan Garcia by KO, TKO, or disqualification. Because we just talked about how Fortuna is known to go wild, and he has not much to lose in this fight. He's no longer in title contention. He's at the end of his career. Uh, he's known for fouling. He's known for doing dirty things in the ring. So you can get Garcia by KO, TKO, or disqualification. That's minus 235. Still minus money, uh, but there's a good chance that Garcia is either going to knock him out or Fortuna is going to do something stupid and get uh, disqualified. The over... Uh, under, uh, over under, yeah, seven and a half rounds at minus 115. I do think that Garcia is going to get the stoppage. Um, I do think it's going to come in the second half of the fight, so that's something to keep an eye on is the seven and a half rounds, the over. You can get that for minus 115. It's decent value. But Ryan Garcia to win in rounds seven through 12 is plus 235. So I like that one right there uh, for my same uh, game parlay. And then I like Lamont Roach, uh, Lamont Roach on points. So there is my same game parlay for this upcoming Saturday brought to you by DraftKings. Ryan Garcia to win in round 7 through 12. Uh, Lamont Roach, uh, the money line on points. So that is it, folks. That is the show this week. Heading out to Los Angeles. Cannot wait uh, to see uh, some fights up close in person. I think this is a big fight for Ryan Garcia. You know, he's got, I, I have his stock uh, right now is still low after that to go fight, but there's a lot there, you know, for, a lot for him to improve on. And if he can stop Javier Fortuna and do it in impressive fashion, hopefully in round seven through 12, uh, then he can start talking about Tank Davis because, as you heard from Steven Espinosa on this show right here, Tank wants it. You know, uh, the, if the fighters really want it, he says that no network should get in the way. He also, Espinosa says that Ryan Garcia isn't, you know, uh, con contractually obligated to the zone. He's only contractually obligated to, to Golden Boy. So there is a way, there is a path for this fight to happen. Do I think Ryan Garcia, Tank Davis happens next in December? No. But can it happen in 2023? Absolutely. But in order for that to happen, in order for it to reach its fever pitch, uh, Garcia has to keep winning. And it would help if he wins in impressive fashion, I think. Uh, he'll do that. All right, everybody. We'll be back next week. Uh, I'm heading off to L.A. Don't forget to subscribe on John Boy Boxing. Uh, we're going to have a lot of uh, content coming from Los Angeles. All right. See you next week.